This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. So why do seagulls live near the sea? Because if they live near the bay, they'd be bagels. Welcome to Wings and Things, where you'll find real answers to real questions about everything you want to know about pet birds. Care, feeding, bird products, travel, and more. Everything to make your frequent flyer a happy camper. From parrots to parakeets, cockatiels to cockatoos, you'll have a bird's eye view of everything there is to know about your fun, feathered friends. So, spread your wings and get ready to fly on Wings and Things. Welcome to Wings and Things on Pet Life Radio. We're your hosts, Barbara Heidenreich from Good Bird Inc. And Robin Chuokas from the Leather Elves. Today's topic is baby parrots. With a face that only a mother could love, what are the needs of your baby parrot? We'll be right back after these messages. Sitting on a branch overlooking the parking lot, the pigeons watched as a Mercedes pulled in below them. What do you think, one bird said to the other. Should we put a deposit on that car? Stay perched. Wings and things will be soaring back right after these messages. What if you could protect the life of your cat with something so simple and affordable that you already use every day? Get ready for the evolution of kitty litter. It's Pretty Litter. Along with all the features you've come to expect from your kitty litter, Pretty Litter's patented and scientific formula will also monitor your cat's health and detect illnesses early while providing industry-leading odor control. Two kitty litters, same cat, same price. But there's one important difference. Pretty Litter reacts to your cat's waste by detecting health issues simply by changing color. And the key is that Pretty Litter detects these issues before your cat shows symptoms of physical illness or pain, likely saving you major dollars in vet bills while protecting the health of your cat. What do you think, little guy? Ready to switch litter? Pretty Litter. Colorful insight into your cat's health. Go to prettylittercats.com forward slash cat 101 or use coupon code cat 101 to get 20% off your first subscription order. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. A Frenchman walks into a bar with a parrot on his shoulder. The bartender asks, where did you get that thing? The parrot replies, in France. There are millions of them. Don't have a canary. Wings and Things is back. Welcome back to Wings and Things on Pet Life Radio. So, baby parrots. So cute. Oh, come on. They are. They may look like little aliens before they get feathers, but when they get the feathers in, they're cute. I think they look like little dinosaurs. (laughs) But anyway, they are endearing, whether they're, uh, you know, cute is not necessarily (laughs) the word I would use. But one of the things we need to talk about is, you know, what am I going to do? Okay, now I've got this baby bird, and does it need something different from the adult parrot that I have at home? Well, it certainly is a really great opportunity, in my opinion, when you have a young bird that that really doesn't have a whole lot of, you know, experience and history in its life. It's not a, you know, a clean slate because it's already been around for a few months, and so it's been learning all that time, and... But um, but there's so many opportunities there. Right, and I think you bring up a good point that starting early makes things go more smoothly later on. You know, get started on the right foot, both for you and the bird. Um, you know, if you start start doing things, if you don't have another parrot, if this is your first parrot, it's, you know, that baby, um, getting started so that you've got some kind of a system, you know, that works that you can bring, carry right over into when this parrot becomes an adult. 
You know, one of my favorite things is when I have somebody come to a seminar that doesn't have their parrot yet, and they're educating themselves before they even bring that bird home. Oh, it's so important, you know, knowing and planning ahead of time. Um, but, you know, there's so much to consider, too. It, it's not just the, you know, go to the store again, buy the things that are, are set out there for adult parrots, because there is a bit of a difference. Um, you know, whether it's enrichment or, or safety, safety is so important, you know. The size is absolutely different. You know, it may be, it's a big baby, you know. Some of the baby, when you think about what a macaw baby looks like size-wise. Yeah, they're almost about the same size as an adult, really. Right. Um, they don't, they don't like, you know, by the time they're coming home with you, mm-hmm. they're pretty much at the, the size they're going to be as they uh, mature. Right, but they, it's still a little bit different, and coordination is definitely an issue. You know, um, mm-hmm. and so when you're thinking about safety, it's not the same as that adult bird that you've got or that you've seen. You need to, you know, consider things a little bit more closely. Well, you know, what is this bird really capable of? And, you know, have I made everything um, easy for that bird? Yeah, we're definitely going to talk about coordination, too, when it comes to training, because it will influence the decisions you're going to make as far as how you train and what your expectations are and what behaviors. Sure, and with enrichment, you know, what are you going to present? If you present something that, that's very complicated, which may be, you know, wonderful for an adult bird, um, it may be something that's a little bit um, difficult or, or um, takes a little bit longer with a baby bird, and you need to consider that. And you do need to do some training, you know, to, to teach these, this bird to play or to be enriched. Although I think almost everything is a toy to a baby parrot. It's true. It doesn't it's seem true. like everything's worth investigating if they're a bird that... Uh, a, a good breeder has worked with in terms of allowing them to experience some different uh, mm-hmm. exposure, different objects, and things like that. And I think exposure is key, right there. That that's really important. Um, knowing that that you've got to, it, it can't be this. Oh, it's a baby bird, and I need to be careful with it, and you know, keep it keep it by itself. And I mean, there are those precautions that you need to take, but you do need to expose it to a wide variety of experiences and things, and and you know, just items. I mean, these items maybe are brand new to this bird. It's never seen a lot of these things before. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more when we get to training, so hang on to that thought for later. Um, And species-specific needs. You know, we try to stay away from the generalizations, but you do, you know, for enrichment's sake, go back to this is X. You know, it's an African gray. It's a macaw. What what kind of macaw? And no, you know, is it an arboreal forager? Is it a ground forager? Is it, you know, and and how do you make it, um, these experiences um, that they're presenting right now, mirror a little bit of what um, what the species does in the wild. Well, and I would think, too, even though parrots are, are built somewhat similarly um, you know, the, within the different species, there's they have certain adaptations to do certain things out in the wild. You think of like that slender build or long build corella that's right. got that super long, skinny beak, and they're known for digging around in the ground mm-hmm. and um, you know, maybe creating opportunities to do that, too. Right, and, and, and tailor it to your, to your bird's needs. Um, and then the other thing is there are distractions. This is a brand new environment for this animal. You know, you're taking it home. Um, it may have been with other birds. If you don't have other birds now, it's devoid of that flock that it had at the breeders. Or you may have other birds that now it becomes part of that flock at home, you know, in the introduction phases and things like that. And if you're offering enrichment, you need to be aware that there are distractions. Um, and maybe it may not be, ooh, look at that, it's enrichment, I'm going to go play, or I'm going to go, you know, interact with this this device or this opportunity um, when there are all those distractions around. You actually just made me think of one of my favorite words in the zoo community, 
the howdy cage. There you go. <laughs> My favorite word. Uh, um, basically, a, a howdy cage is when you've got a bird in one cage that's going to be introduced to um, a bird in another cage or even an aviary, and you keep them separated in, in separate cages, and the howdy cage is sort of like, hey, I'm just getting to say howdy to y'all, mm-hmm. but not actually <laughs> interact with but, you. But I can't get to you if I really wanted to. Um. <laughs> and you watch their behavior and see how the, the birds respond to each other um, within their separate enclosures and mm-hmm. gradually introduce them. But but sorry, the, the word howdy just <laughs> is one of my enough, favorite words. Cage. And it's not because I live in Texas, but there's something about that word. It is, it is. <laughs> and, you know, you don't want to do the, oh, here's my new bird, I'm bringing it home, and, oh, look, I'll just stick it in the cage with a, a similar bird, a bird yeah. of the same species. Species, not the best plan when you're coming home. Say Um, howdy instead. That's it. Remember (laughs) the howdy cage. Um, Perching is a consideration, you know, as far as enrichment visually and um, tactily. You need to consider what size perching you're offering for this bird. And plus it's being a baby bird, um, one of the things that I really look at, again, is that, that coordination problem. And I often suggest this for people who maybe have like a PVC perch and they want to train their parrot on that. And if you've got a young bird, a lot of times they have a real difficult time holding on. And what I do, um, a little training tip here, is um, I uh, use vet wrap. And vet wrap has a little bit of texture to it and it sticks to itself, but it's not sticky and gooey like tape or anything. And it's easily removed if you want to take it off. But a lot of times I'll wrap any kind of perch that's remotely slick. Mm-hmm. Um, it also You can also wrap perches in a way so that the surface is irregular which is a little bit better for their feet so they don't don't wear out um, just one section of their their foot there. But it's really helpful for those those young birds that are very uncoordinated and having a difficult time moving around on a slick surface. Right, and I think that brings up another good point too, Barbara, is that with the perching, um, offering a variety of perching so that it's not just a PVC perch or just you know, a manzanita perch or a birch perch, um, offering a variety of them so that there are those different textures so it's not always the same. You know, when you think about surfaces that, that birds walk on when they're in nature, in the wild, it's, it's not, you know, the branches aren't all uniform. They're not just flying to one kind of tree. Um, so offering that is, is a little bit of, um, of conditioning for their feet as well. Yeah, and again, thinking about the way that they're they're learning how to use their bodies, so you can provide things in a way that will create situations in which maybe they have to practice a little bit of climbing, but not too hard. You know, right? right. I mean, I, a lot of times you can offer you know a ladder up to a perch um, initially, or you know something. To, I immediately when we brought Nikki home, put the perching in, and then looked at it and said, oh, "He's never going to make it." But he does. You know, they adapt. They absolutely adapt and go up and down. Um, but if you can add some not ramps but you know a little ladder to get up to that first one and then you make the the distance between one perch to the next a little bit you know a little bit further but not so far that it's this giant leap um, because it's not going to work for a baby bird Um, and it that also brings up the point of textures you know offering different textures to your bird whether it be something for them to experience with their mouth or something for them to walk on um, so that it's not, you know, ooh, that's a, a completely different um, different texture, and it's, it's, if it's foreign, I'm not going to deal with it. Yeah, actually, um, in dog training materials, one of the, the things that they often recommend people do is 
teach your dog to walk on different surfaces. Mm-hmm. So say, for example, your dog's only been in your house in your backyard, and maybe your house is completely carpeted, and your backyard is completely grass. And then the first time he sets foot on tile, he's like, whoa, what's this? This is too scary. So it's actually a, a really nice thing to pair positive reinforcers with experiences like being on different surfaces. Mm-hmm. And I think you can do that. I call it a texture board, um, where you take just you know a piece of wood, and then you put different textures on it, whether it be a carpet or you know, um, you can even plant grass in a little uh, container and see, you know, what the what the bird, how it responds to the different ones, and do use positive reinforcement for, oh, you know, stepping up on something different or, or walking across something different. And that goes for, for the mouth as well. You know, offering a variety of textures, something soft, something to chew, different things for them to deal with that way and experience that way. And it just expands um, the options that you'll have later on with this bird. Yeah, I sometimes see, I, I think it's that baby thing. People like to put a little stuffed animal with a baby parrot. I've seen that. I, I don't know how, s- I don't know if they're safe or not. I, you would know more about yeah, that I mean, than you, I. I think do. you'd have to be really careful with, you know, the, the eyes and things, you know, whether they're going to ingest them or not. But you, you do need to um, look at, okay, I've got a, you know, I've got this toy. Is it safe? Are there things that are just going to come off and, and, you know, look like something that can be eaten? Um, so you do need to be careful with that. Sure. Well, what do you think? Should we take a little break? Why don't we do that? And we'll All be right. back with, with some training ideas. Okay, sounds good. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay perched. Wings and Things will be soaring back right after these messages. Put on a perfectly possum pet party. Having an awesome birthday or adoption day celebration for your four-legged friend? Or just want a fun excuse to throw a fun party with your friends from the dog park? Deck out your party with Molly and Bandit Pet Party Accessories, party products designed specifically for pets. There are wearables, including adjustable pet party hats, bow ties, and tutus. The photoprop kits include funny glasses and hats. The party supplies and decorations include coordinating table covers, party banners, cake decorations, and treat bowls, cups, and bags. Everything you need to create great memories and Instagram-worthy photos. They're available in two colorful themes, Tropical and Fireman. It's a dog's life. Celebrate it with Molly and Bandit Pet Party at mollyandbanditpetparty.com slash petlife. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. A Frenchman walks into a bar with a parrot on his shoulder. The bartender asks, where did you get that thing? The parrot replies, in France. There are millions of them. Don't have a canary. Wings and Things is back. Welcome back to Wings and Things on Pet Life Radio with your host, Robin Chiwokas. And Barbara Heinrich. We're going to jump into training your baby parrot. One of the things that people often ask is, oh, is he too young? Oh, no. Too young to learn. And I actually think they're already learning. <laughs> every, every experience is, is, a, is a learning. Well, and especially, Eva, all those opportunities where they're being hand-fed by the hand feeder when, before they come to your home, those are all learning opportunities for those birds. And in my opinion, I think it's absolutely fine to get a baby after it's weaned. You don't need to have a, a bird hand-feeding and have it come home with you in order to have success with it as right. far as training is concerned. So, um, But a lot of times it's nice to find a breeder who's got some good knowledge of positive reinforcement training because they'll get your bird already learning how to do some behaviors because every time they're hand-feeding that bird's an opportunity to teach it something. Right. Like step up or, or hang out around a kennel or something. 
Now, one of the things when you do have a young bird, we've already talked a little bit about their, their challenges with coordination. So you want to pick behaviors that are really easy for them to accomplish. Uh, we've talked about targeting in other shows where basically you're asking your parrot to orient usually his beak towards something, whether it's your fist or, or a stick or something like that. Um, and that's a pretty easy behavior for any parrot, and especially for a baby, mm-hmm. who all he has to do is turn his head and maybe take a few steps. Here right. and there. So it's not this major undertaking that you're asking for. Right. Um, but I've actually found, um, like, training a parrot to turn around, a baby parrot, is actually pretty difficult. Really? Yeah, because they're still dealing with that coordination issue, mm-hmm. and you'll see them really struggle to figure out how to use that little beak and get that. F- and a lot of times they'll put their beak down on the perch to turn around where, right. where to help them do the behavior. And especially if that perch is slippery, like I said, that's why that vet wrap can be really important. And surprisingly, a lot of um, parrots kind of get past that uncoordinated stage pretty quickly. So even sometimes in a matter of weeks, you can you can watch them become more coordinated and then move on to a behavior like turn around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not something that I would say do at first. And I, I think that reminds me as far as you know foraging opportunities for enrichment, things like that. You don't want to start with the you know under here, over there, under this, unwrap it, untie it, problem it. solve. Yeah, it, it doesn't need to be that difficult. You know that foraging behavior initially can be very basic. Like, look, it's a leaf. Will you want to chew on it? <laughs> or, or you know, if you open and and it's showing them sometimes, you know, it's a modeling kind of thing where mm-hmm. it's in here and here it is, and and can you do the same thing and get it out? Yeah. One of my favorite things about baby parrots is uh, that they're very malleable at at this age when they're just weaned, and um, there's a thing called a sensitive period in which it, it basically during that period, um, it's very easy to set up your bird to to do something you may want like say for example we wanted to train your your young parrot to be comfortable with a towel and if he's had no previous experience with towels and maybe you have that towel on a table you bring your baby over um, there's a good chance he's fairly receptive to that new that Mm -hmm. new item or object there because of the sensitive period but a really important part that a lot of people miss because I've heard people talk about this um, on like you know video clips on the internet and stuff like that is that um, you know you just expose the bird to everything you know, expose it to a new towel, expose it to to the nail clippers, expose it to, um, you know, anything that they think is going to be part of their life. But it's not just about exposure. Right. It's also about pairing it with positive reinforcers and still doing that really important job of reading body language and not forcing your bird. And it's so important. The reading body language piece is not any different with a baby parrot. It isn't, and people, I I can't tell you how many times I've had people say, you know, he's so cuddly and wonderful, and I could do anything with him, I could flip him over on his back, well, and then he matured, and then he became mean. Right, and And I I think it's it's part of our nature to to make that, that cuddliness because it's a baby. That you assume that because this is a baby creature, it's going to be all cuddly. Um, and you put that on that bird it's, it, because of your expectations. But what it is, it's about the sensitive period, which allows, the, it, it's that opportunity that one time, well, it's not just one time, but that period in, their, in this particular stage of their growth where they are more receptive to allowing you to physically manipulate them or introduce them to new objects or new environments or new people. Um, but again, if you don't uh, stick to your positive reinforcement training strategies while you're doing that, you're reading body language, avoiding force, you're pairing all these experiences with positive reinforcers, that's what makes the difference when they get older. That And that's the reason 
if you're not doing that, that's why when they get older, it doesn't. It, there's no carryover, you know. Then, then you go to that thing. Well, when he was little, I used to be able to just um, pull his wing out. It was no big deal. And then you try it as he's matured, and he's not. A, he's not allowing you to do that. He's starting to show aggressive behavior, and you think, well, he used to let me do it. But the difference is, you didn't teach it with positive reinforcement. You just said, well, he'll let me do it. He'll let me use this coercion and not show aggressive behavior. So that's great. So that's that's the piece that a lot of people are missing. So I think if you grab this sensitive period carry it through stick with it it's not oh well you know I taught him how to do that a long time ago I did positive reinforcement training with this bird when he was a baby and so now we're all set you need to carry it through it's like building you know the foundation of a building you're, you're setting up those positive experiences you're showing you know teaching this bird what positive reinforcement's all about and then carrying it through um, all the experiences that it has it's really about the owner it's about the owner being aware or the caregiver being aware that they need to start with positive reinforcement and stick with it for the rest of that bird's life and they will have they will have that fabulous amazing relationship with the bird don't count on just because it's a baby that's what's going to get you there it's about you and how you interact with that baby and positively reinforcing it you know i think maybe baby the word baby is the problem you mm-hmm. know it's that it's that unconditional love oh it's a baby mm-hmm. you know it, you have to build that that relationship through positive reinforcement absolutely and and i think that's where we see a lot of problems and i think um you know, for me, I'm really excited about this information. Really, where I learned a lot of it was when getting my puppy. You know, I got him at seven weeks, and a lot of the literature out there on puppy training is is very well defined about these periods where we have an opportunity. And and some of the training resources will tell you, you know, hey, the window's closing. You've got a very little time to start to make sure your puppy meets some new people and gets treats from them or or attention or whatever. And um and so there's a I forget the name of the study off the top of my head, but there's a really good study on dog training. Um, uh, it was very, I think it started in the 1940s and went on for many, many years, where they documented um, all these these things that happened during certain stages of a puppy's life. Mm-hmm. And and even though that that research isn't out there at great in a great extent on parrots, anecdotally, I absolutely see the parallels oh, that definitely. there is this window, and if we don't take advantage of it, we're missing out on a great opportunity. You know, and I think if, especially if it's your first bird, if this baby parrot is your first bird you're training yourself as well you know you need to to get in that that habit if you will of positively reinforcing Mm -hmm. your bird you know and so if you do it and you set yourself up as in a positive experience in a positive way to go through um, this bird's life with it you know I think it's a win-win situation well and also that goes with that hand in hand is the whole thing about um, being proactive and preventative about behavior problems if you are new to parrots or you're about to get a baby parrot and you get educated on the types of behavior problems that people are commonly seeing like things like biting hands or fear responses to hands or screaming for attention and you study up on that and you see basically what not to do mm-hmm. You can set yourself up for success with your parrot so that your little little guy or little girl doesn't learn those behavior problems because you're going to be aware of what you're reinforcing. You know, you're going to already know, oh, you know, they sometimes scream for attention, but I don't want a scream for attention. I want something else, you know, if, if, that, if I start to see that behavior. And you'll be conscientious of not reinforcing that scream mm-hmm. and going, oh, I'm going to wait for something else that he does. And I think it's important to, to notice the environment, you know, that that's key to the whole thing. You're bringing this baby parent into a new environment, and so if you're aware of what the antecedents, some of those behaviors may be, 
um, you can be proactive about it. Yeah. Now, one of the things that people often have issues with, even with their adult parrots, is is how to find reinforcers that work well to train behaviors. A lot of people with adult birds are having the issue that um, their bird won't take a food reinforcer, and um, and with a baby parrot. Um, one of my concerns is that a lot of times your parrot's still still growing and developing, and they might be going through this period where they drop a little weight because they've just weaned, and you're really aware of that, and and you want to make sure that they're keeping a healthy body weight as the, as they go through this process. And um and one of the things to keep in mind is that that food is definitely a reinforcer for babies too, but um, because those little guys are so curious a lot of times at mm-hmm. that time, they're really willing to investigate things. A lot of times toys and enrichment can be used as reinforcers for training. Oh, absolutely, because, you know, it is that, you know, something brand new that's never yeah. been seen before. And because they are, are tend to be a little more um, receptive to tactile mm-hmm. uh, stimuli, you can use that as a reinforcer as well. I use, I've used that a lot with baby parrots. Um, and my strategy is often that a baby parrot has a complete full bowl of food all the time. I might pull out some favorite treats to save for, for training. And when um, when that bird gets full, I'll switch to some other types of reinforcers, like tactile reinforcers, mm-hmm. to get more um, behavior out of the bird. And I think it's a matter of, as a trainer, you trying out different things as reinforcers. Yep. And, and like I said, it seems like the opportunities are endless with a baby parrot in terms of, you know, what they might want to explore with their beak or their mouth. And um, actually, it's a really great time to teach a parrot to drop something on cue because, and you tr- basically you trade it out for different toys. Mm-hmm. And when once they start getting the idea, you add a, a cue to it. You don't show the next toy that they're going to get. And they start to learn that, okay, if I drop this toy, I'm going to get something else. I don't know what it'll be, but it'll be fun and exciting. And then you've got this great behavior that's a really important one, especially with a baby parrot who might get into something you don't want him to get into in your house, and you just teach him the drop cue, and he gives it up, and you give him something else. And needless to say, I do this with my puppy as well, who uh, who will drop anything that he has in his mouth if I ask him to, and with a, you know, and look up at me with those big eyes and wag his tail like, look, I dropped it, even mm-hmm. if it's a you know his favorite bone or something. It's not a problem when you train that um, with positive reinforcement. Well, let's see. Some other things to keep in mind is that um, baby parrots are interested in exploring things with their mouths. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that might include our fingers right. or your buttons on your shirt or the jewelry you're wearing, whatever, mm-hmm. things like that. So a couple things you can do. First of all, you can set yourself up for success. Knowing that those birds are, are likely to explore stuff, you may not want to wear a shirt with buttons on it or your jewelry when you're first interacting with that baby parrot so you don't get into this, oh my gosh, He's got my button. Mm-hmm. I've got to wrestle with him. You, of course, can train the drop behavior that I talked about, and that's a great way to teach him to give up those things. But they may also do things like start chewing on your finger, and 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 they're not being showing aggressive behavior, but all of a sudden it starts to get too hard, a little harder, and and then you know that baby's growing up, and it's it's a new. Um, it may have been an investigatory. There's a word. <laughs> it may have been investigation initially, but. It can move into more than that. Yeah, and I and uh, unfortunately, people's typical immediate reaction is they want to positively punish the bird for doing that. Like they'll yell at him and tell him no, or they'll shake their hand and make his perch unsteady. And really, positive punishment is your last resort in your mm-hmm. training tool bag, if you want to call it that, uh, to address behavior problems. Like, or you might not even call that necessarily a behavior problem, but an undesired behavior that you want there. So this is where time out from positive reinforcement is really a a great strategy. And it doesn't mean that he gets put back in the cage and has to think about it for 30 minutes, what he did wrong. Uh, No, you know, it's that that quick 
time out. It's not a, it's yeah. not the, you know, you put them in and you go away and, you know, do your laundry and come back and let's try it again. Right. It's really a matter of seconds. The way I do this with a baby parrot, if, say I've got a baby parrot and I'm, let's say you're on, you know, laying on your bed and your, your bird's kind of there on the bed too and rolling around and playing with you and he's kind of mouthing your fingers and all of a sudden it gets a little too hard. Literally, all you have to do is move your hands away from the bird mm-hmm. and the bird kind of stands there going oh they disappeared huh, okay and then seconds just a few seconds later you can bring your hands back let the bird play with your fingers a little bit more and again if the pressure gets harder than you would like remove your hands for a few seconds and then give them another opportunity and basically you teach them when you bite this hard you lose the opportunity to play with me but if you mouth gently we'll continue playing mm-hmm. and i think that goes to the thought of grabbing those training opportunities you know when something like that's occurring stepping in right then and doing it um, and knowing and being aware of yourself you know what your response is it, there is that immediate response that if a bird bites a little bit hard you, you pull the, the hand away but you pull it really quickly and that may be you know the response that 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 bird pairs with the hard bite an aversive experience which right. is essentially that positive punishment which we're trying to avoid and so you, being aware of your body language and how you're mm-hmm. interacting in everything that you do mm-hmm. yeah every interaction with them and and really it's it's a much uh, i always use the words kinder and gentler and i know i know dr friedman would say what do you mean by that <laughs> but but it is uh in and maybe one day we'll have to operationalize that <laughs> But, uh, but it is, it's a kinder and gentler way, in my opinion, to address that problem of, oh, the bird's learning to bite my hands too hard. How do I get this behavior to, to decrease or diminish? And yes, we are using punishment, but we're not using positive punishment. We're using negative punishment, which is a timeout from, and we're pairing it with reinforcing the behavior we do want, which is gentle play. Right. It's a nice way to, to train that. And, um, and the great thing about it is you're not relying on those aversive strategies and um, and again, tying it in with some of the other things we talked about, again, just because you can manipulate a parrot to do certain things when they're young, mm-hmm. you really still want to avoid using coercion right. because it, in the long run, it's going to give you more problems. It, well, it, just because you can, that, I think that's the phrase right there, you know, know, doing something because you can. Oh, I could apply that to so many oh. things with all the zoo consulting, you know, be, you know, when people scoop up an animal and stick it in a crate and take it to, to an education program because they can, but the animal's small enough that you can right. get away with it, but in reality, it doesn't want to be there. you got to train it. And you want to, you know, I, I always want to say to people like that, you know, would you do that with the lion? Exactly. You can't. Exactly. You know, and, or, or for that matter, would you do that with the hyacinth macaw, who could do yeah. some serious, serious damage to your limbs? Well, and then you, the next thing you know, those are the birds that have no role anymore. Right. They they um, are not going to, well, you know, the zoo a lot of times will say, oh, we need to place it someplace else because he's not going to work out. And it really had nothing to do with some internal problem with the bird it was really about whatever handling and training strategies you know were influencing this bird's behavior throughout his life right and this is not to say that this happens at all zoos i mean we've sure. come across so many incredible trainers and and um, keepers at at different facilities and you know it's just a matter of there are there is that that old school thought sometimes of you just it's easier to grab them up and move them yeah, and unfortunately, well, and people do that with their companion animals mm-hmm. as well, too. You know, if we keep in mind that it's not just about the end result, it's about the process, making the process as positive as possible for that animal, you'll get to the end result, and in many cases, you'll get there 
just as fast as you would if you coerce that animal. So right. focus on on the strategy that creates that animal that can't wait to participate, the eager participant instead of the one that's going, oh my God, here they come, and mm-hmm. I have to go do what they want, and I don't want to. You know, right. I want the animal that can't wait because that, that's what it's all well, about. That, that's why you're there. Yeah, you know, that's um, why we love animals. You know. Well, so baby birds, there's there's just so much to talk about, and I yeah, and obviously we focus a little bit more on training and enrichment, um, but but certainly probably there's some good breeders out there, and we'll give you names of a couple that you can uh, probably get in touch with and get some more info from. Right. Um, some things that are upcoming: uh, September 14th, the Connecticut um, Parrot Society is doing their second annual Feather Fest. That's in Cromwell, Connecticut. Um, they've got some great speakers lined up, Susan Chamberlain. They've got Windover Wings um, coming to do a raptor demonstration, and they'll have a vendor room. So I will be there. Cool. And I'm going to be in Las Vegas on September 27th teaching a parrot behavior and training workshop. This day-long event is hosted by the Southern Nevada Parrot Education, Rescue, and Rehoming Society. And more information can be found on at lvbirdrescue.com. And then on October 3rd through 5th, is Parrot Behavior and Learning for the Veterinary Professional at the Gabriel Foundation, which includes myself, Dr. Susan Friedman, Dr. Jerry Labondi, and Dr. Lori Hess. And you can get more information on that event at thegabrielfoundation.org. October 11th, Long Island Parrot Society is presenting their uh, Parrot Expo. Huge vendor room done um, quite well with a number of you know different items to, to purchase, You know whether it be food or toys or um, general information for your bird. Um, and I'll be speaking there on Enriching Your Parrot's Live. And on November 1st, I'll be in Shreveport, Louisiana, teaching a parrot behavior and training workshop. And more information can be found at acbc.net. And then November 8th and 9th, everyone's coming to Austin, Texas for the Parrot Training and Enrichment Weekend. I know you're all coming because I, I, I see you signing up. I get the emails. We're, we're <laughs> not going to be able to fit you in the, in the venue. So. Uh, we'll make sure we have space for everybody somehow, although I will say space is limited, so right. it's a good idea to sign up uh, now. And you can do that at goodbirdinc.com. On the homepage, there's an announcement for you. Just click on that, and that'll walk you through it. You can sign up online, or you can download a form and mail it in, and it's going to be a lot of fun, so we hope to see you there. Oh, boy, I've got more on the calendar. Jeez. March uh, 28th in 2009, I'll be teaching a a day-long seminar about uh, managing flighted birds in Connecticut. And then in April, on the 18th and 19th, I'll be in Toronto, Canada with um, Susan Frieden. We'll be teaching a two-day seminar there. And uh, let's see what's next. And the Best Parrot Conference um, in May of 2009 in Edison, New Jersey. And again... You know, space is limited for that event, and you can sign up at www.bestparrotconference.com. Sounds good. And I said I would mention a couple breeders that um, I know are into positive reinforcement training, so they can help you in two ways. They can uh, get your baby already on a good path of positive reinforcement training, and they can also help you with all those other aspects of of taking care of a baby bird, what it takes to keep them um, healthy and transition well into your home. So one of my favorites is Wendy Craig at wendysparrots.com. She often has a waiting list for her birds. That tells you something. (laughs) Yes. And then and uh, somebody who's come to uh, uh, several of my seminars now is Debbie Perrin, and she's in Cincinnati, Ohio, and her website is featheredplaypen.com. So for the enrichment tip of the week, I think regardless of what you're, whether you're talking about a baby parrot or an adult, uh, rotation of the enrichment is crucial. I like to think about it as if I had to watch the same TV show over and over and over again, and that was my only form of enrichment, I would get tired of it pretty quickly. So the same thing applies to your your parrot companions. Think of 
um, the variety of experiences they would have in the wild and try to, to bring them enough to keep them stimulated and, and give them a lot of great experiences. So just rotating enrichment is really important. And for my training tip of the week, if you're purchasing a baby bird, try to find a breeder with some knowledge of positive reinforcement training. They can get your parrot started on stepping up on the hand for positive reinforcement, and um, they probably, if they're a good breeder, will let you come visit that baby during the process of him uh, still weaning, and you'll get to know him uh, in association with positive reinforcement right from the get-go. So I think with that, we're just about out of time. I think we are. We're working on some topics for you um, for upcoming podcasts, things like forest you know, it's all the rage these days, uh, teaching your parrot to play, um, reading body language, things like that. And so, you know, if you've got any suggestions, though, feel free to contact us or any suggestions or questions at Robin at PetLifeRadio.com and Barbara at PetLifeRadio.com. And if you would like a transcript of this show, you can visit PetLifeRadio.com. Well, I think that's it for this week. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Join us every week on Wings and Things and get a bird's eye view of everything there is to know about pet birds and how to make your frequent flyer a happy camper. Wings and Things, only on PetLifeRadio.com.